welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back. It's time for episode 20. We've been at this 20 weeks and I'm having so much fun. I hope you're having just as much fun as I am listening along. I appreciate and value all of your support, your subscriptions, your shares with your friends, and so much more. This is such a helpful way for me to get the information out to more people. So thank you for being here and for listening consistently week after week. Have you seen the Geico commercials talking about ant problems lately? I honestly have no idea what they're trying to convey, but in today's episode, I'm going to talk about another kind of ant problem, automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T's. So many of us have a cloud of negativity that we deal with constantly, and we feel powerless over it. But I'm going to walk you through how you can control your thoughts and the feelings, behaviors, and results that come after those thoughts. We'll also talk about teens and veggies, a bread substitute, skin hydration, Instant Pot versus Crock-Pot, and so much more. Let's dive in. In health news you can use today, I'm talking about a new press release from the U.S. News & World Report with CDC data. CDC data comes out a little bit after the fact, so they're still reporting on 2017, but uh, my guess is that it has not gotten much better uh, better since then, unfortunately. And the data shows that only 2% of teens eat the recommended amount of vegetables every single day. The recommended amount for high schoolers is 2.5 to 3 cups per day, which is about five servings, but the average high school student got just one. And if you really look into the data, the things that count as vegetable servings are like tomato sauce and depending on how you interpret it, some types of french fries and things like that. So We are really not stretching too far here. It is um, an understatement that the average high schooler in the U.S. is undernourished, not underfed necessarily, but undernourished. They're not getting enough nutrition, primarily from vegetables, fruits, other whole foods. For fruit, by the way, they only got 7% of the recommended amount, and most of it came from fruit juice, which is not the ideal source of nutrients. Um, So we're not doing so great with high schoolers in the U.S. and vegetable and fruit consumption. And the report talks about many of the reasons, which we can probably guess. It's not branded. Fruit and vegetables are not advertised. They're not cool, but also they're not easy to grab. We're all looking for convenience these days and Sometimes it feels more convenient to grab a candy bar or a bag of chips or something than to grab an apple, which doesn't really make sense if you think about it because an apple, you can just chomp into it the way it is. But 
we think vegetables and fruits are harder to prepare and harder to grab. So I do understand the reasons, and the report doesn't actually go into strategies, but because I work with a bunch of high school clients on uh, improving their nutrition, I just wanted to drop in my three top strategies in case you happen to be a high schooler or a parent or caregiver of a high schooler, or you just know you could increase your vegetable consumption and you kind of have the taste buds of a high schooler. No shame in that game. My number one strategy is to have cut veggies with hummus or guacamole or salsa or whatever available on the counter at the witching hour. So if you're a parent or a guardian, you probably know what I mean by the witching hour. It's after school as everyone's like whizzing through the kitchen hanging out, trying to procrastinate their homework or going to their activities or waiting for their friends to come over or whatever, so many of my parent clients will describe this witching hour to me. And that's the time when we put out the chips or when kids go into the pantry many times or whatever. But I guarantee if you have cut veggies with dip on the counter ready, they will eat them. Kids will generally eat what they see. Um, and seeing vegetables is a surefire way to get them to eat more. Second one is to offer a salad with dinner. Sounds simple, but I actually have many teen clients who will do a pre-bagged salad. They'll even eat that for lunch or as part of dinner. They'll just like open the bag, pour the stuff on, easy breezy. It is, you know, maybe not my favorite source of vegetables ever, but I'll take it. It's a great way to get some nutrition in them. So offer them a salad that you make or suggest that they have a pre-bagged salad, something like that. Third strategy is to try zucchini noodles or spaghetti squash or butternut squash noodles or cauliflower rice, any of these other substitutes that kind of take on the flavor of whatever you're cooking them with. When covered with marinara sauce or in a stir fry or whatever, teens will often eat the vegetables. It's not about hiding the vegetables and telling them it's not vegetables. It's just about introducing them to the taste in a more familiar way. Most of the high school clients I work with aren't really anti-vegetables. They do want to be healthy. They just also want to eat what they like and their taste buds haven't quite adjusted yet. So these zucchini noodles or other substitutes are a great way to introduce them. That's some extra tips in addition to health news you can use. I hope it helps you out. For Megan Recommends today, I'm recommending a bread substitute. I get asked this so often and I have several different bread substitutes up my sleeve, but today's product recommendation is Outer Isle Cauliflower Sandwich Thins. And for those of you who are looking for a bread substitute, something without the wheat flour or the white flour, gluten without inflammatory potential, without all of these um, things that are not the best for our health, these Outer Isle Cauliflower Sandwich Thins are a great substitute. The only ingredients are cauliflower, eggs, cheese, and nutritional yeast. So very, very simple ingredient list, which is my number one criteria for judging a product. Um, obviously not for you if you have an egg or dairy intolerance, but otherwise they can be a really nice alternative. They're really great in the toaster. So you keep these in the refrigerator or the freezer, I think. 
Um, but once you take them out, you uh, can put them in the toaster to crisp them up a little bit. They have a really good texture. They hold up unlike most cauliflower substitutes. I used to make my own cauliflower pizza crust, and it was like kind of fine, but it, it fell apart a lot. Um, and that was probably because I didn't use cheese. The cheese in here acts as a binder as well as the eggs. But uh, regardless, these have a good texture. They are light. They're 50 calories, 4 grams of protein, 2 grams of carbs. So a really nice low-carb alternative for those who care about that. And they're just tasty. And sometimes it's nice to have a sandwich or have something that feels a little bit like bread. If you're looking for something like that, check out Outer Isle Cauliflower Sandwich Thins. I am going to post a link for Amazon in the show notes, but um, I will tell you they're cheaper if you get them at your local store. So go to the Outer Isle website, check the store locator, and find them at a place near you. It's time for the veggies of the matter, and today I'm talking about a secret that so many of us share. This secret takes up a ton of our mental energy. We're battling it every hour or at the very least every day. We often say we'd do anything to get rid of it, but still it's hung around for decades for most of us. And this secret is that negativity that so many of us have on repeat in our minds. It's kind of that low-grade blah factor that makes everything feel a little heavier, a little harder. And it takes different forms for a lot of us. Some people do catastrophizing, which is thinking that everything will turn into the worst-case scenario, just really blowing bad situations up. For others, this is me, it's overthinking. It's like replaying a scenario 80 million times or the funny thing that I do. Now you're always going to wonder if I do this when I'm food prepping, but as I'm cooking something, let's say I need to go get a dish and then get a cutting board and get the ingredients out of the refrigerator and get the spices out of the cabinet. I am overanalyzing literally my step pattern. I know this sounds totally ridiculous to some people, but I'm thinking, oh shoot, I should have picked up the cinnamon on the way to get the pan. That cost me like 18 milliseconds or something like that. And this is just an overthinking scenario that I get into. Yours might be totally different, but you know if you're an overthinker. Some people put themselves on guilt trips for things that aren't even their fault or other people do mind reading, which is, I know she thinks I'm a big idiot, or I know he's judging me for my pants, or whatever. You just assume you can understand what's going through other people's minds. Some people, it's all or nothing, or black and white thinking, kind of like throwing in the towel. If you already had the donut, then might as well have the french fries or whatever. There are tons of uncomfortable thought patterns, but if you feel negativity, you might just relate to some of the things that I'm saying. And if you do in any form, whether it's one of those forms I mentioned or just in general, if life feels a little bit heavier, today's episode is going to cover some strategies for you to um, get over that. I know this kind of stuff can sound a little woo-woo, but hang in here with me. It's really, really meaningful and impactful stuff. And by the way, This is like negativity in general that I'm talking about today. I do have a blog post specifically on how to improve self-talk around our body, and I will link that in the show notes as well. 
as today's blog post, which kind of recaps what I'm going to talk about today. So let's dive in. The first step to changing negativity and using our thoughts to create a happier life is to simply realize we have the power to do so. So often our negativity feels like a rainstorm. I'm going to be using this rainstorm analogy throughout the whole episode today. The rainstorm is something we don't like, but we don't have any power to get rid of it. We forget, though, that we have tools. We can take out our umbrella. We can put on a raincoat. We can dance in the rain. All of these are analogies. I mean, I totally recommend dancing in the rain, but that's not specifically what I'm recommending. I'm just recommending that you realize you have tools to combat the negative situations. And once we acknowledge that we have the power to change these negative thoughts, a whole new world of positivity can open up. It can be hard to acknowledge this. It takes courage. It takes bravery to just even admit that you have the power over your negative thoughts. Um, But we can do that. And I'm about to dive into the tips. Before I do that, I want to give a caveat to what I'm about to talk about today. This is not about deep clinical depression. I fully understand that many people suffer from um, something that is above and beyond the tips I'm going to cover today. And negativity honestly lies on a continuum. I am not saying today that you can just snap your fingers and all your problems will go away. If you're kind of under a fog, if you feel you're irritated more than you should be, then these tips I'm about to go over can definitely help. And for me, I was on depression and anxiety medication for many years, and after years and years and years of work, it was the right decision for me to treat my clinical manifestations with tools like what I'm going to talk about today. But I do not recommend, hear me loud and clear, I do not recommend just hearing this podcast and boop, going off your medication or stopping seeing your therapist or anything like that. That is definitely not the right decision. You and your professional team know what is the best decision for you. So if you uh, just kind of are irritated by your negative thoughts, listen up. If you have deeply negative thoughts or you believe you're in a true state of depression, please seek professional help. I will put a link to the SAMHSA hotline, which can help you find a professional in the show notes. All right. So Let's get into some of these tips. I study a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy in, and I use that in my one-to-one coaching sessions with clients. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a whole um, field that has tons of complicated words and paradigms to explain these things, but I'm going to try to make it simple. What I'm going to talk about today is how situations create thoughts, which create feelings, which create behaviors, which create results. I know, I just said I'm going to be simple, and then that was five things right there. But I'll walk you through each one. Don't worry. So the first one is the basics. Situations happen. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. Situations do happen. A situation is like the rainstorm. That happens. We can't control it. It just happens or it doesn't. But then we have thoughts about those situations, and they might be automatic thoughts. This is like, ugh, it's raining. This stinks. That's the thought. And then these thoughts create the feelings. This feeling is like, I'm so unlucky. Every time I go outside, it rains. I feel really bad for myself. That's a feeling that's related or that results from the thought. 
then that feeling creates a behavior. If I feel really bad for myself and I feel like I'm so unlucky, then I'm not going to go outside regularly. Even though I want to, I just assume it's going to rain. So my behavior is I'm not going outside. And then the behaviors create the results. So this might be long-lasting negativity or just a funk over my day or weight gain or health issues from not going out on a walk or any other myriad of possibilities. The results um, come from the behaviors, which come from the feelings, which come from the thoughts. So which of these can we change? We can't change the situation. The rainstorm happens or it doesn't, but I argue that we can change everything else. So what I'm going to talk mostly about today is changing our thoughts. And I am not like a Jedi of the mind, so I can't control every single thought I have. Sometimes thoughts just pop up. The thought that I mentioned in that example was, ugh, it's raining, this stinks. That just pops into my head. It feels out of my control. I didn't ask for that thought to come up. It just happens. And I call this an ant, an automatic negative thought. I took this ant uh, acronym from Dr. Daniel Amen, um, and I'll post a link to his book in the show notes. But I call them ants, automatic negative thoughts. Now, if I have an ant problem in my house, I want to squash them. Of course, in the long term, I want them to prevent I want to prevent them from coming into my house as often, but when they're there right there, I just want to squash them. So that's the first step. We want to squash the ants. I can control how long I let those thoughts linger. I can't control that they happen. So when I think, "Ugh, it's raining, this stinks." I can't control that. That's the ant just popping up. But I can control how long I let it linger. So how would we squash the ants? How do we get rid of those non uh, or those automatic negative thoughts? The way we do that is non-judgmental awareness of the thoughts and active dismissal of them. So let's break that down. There are three key parts: non-judgmental awareness and active dismissal. With non-judgmental, I think this is the most important part. Often when my clients start this journey of recognizing their ants, they're judging themselves. They're like, oh, another ant came. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have all these ants. But that makes it worse. This is not part of the process. We do not judge ourselves for having ants. Ants just happen. We all have these negative thoughts. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Congratulate yourself for recognizing them and move on. But be non-judgmental as you're recognizing your ants. The second piece of what I said is awareness. So awareness sounds really easy, but it's very difficult. Simply being aware of the thought as it's happening is a giant accomplishment. Most of us think that, ugh, it's raining, this stinks, without the presence of mind. We're just kind of like letting that thought hang out in our head without even being aware of it. And what I'm asking you to do is be aware of it recognize non-judgmentally. Interesting. I'm having a negative thought about this situation. And then finally, active dismissal. When I practice active dismissal, I like to visualize a red stop sign that pops up. So as soon as I'm aware I'm having a negative thought, I just see a stop sign in front of my face. I'm like, oh, there's an ant. No judgment. I'm just going to dismiss this. It helps me realize that the thought isn't serving me and makes me want to choose another thought. So sometimes this new thought is about the situation, like, oh, maybe I'll get to see a rainbow today, or I'm so glad I brought my umbrella, or I'm going to look really funny on my Zoom call. We're going to laugh about this when I get back into the house or whatever. Or sometimes it's totally unrelated. I'm thinking about 
oh my gosh, the dinner I had last night was delicious, or I'm so glad I got to talk to my sister today, or something like that. Regardless of whether it's related or not, I'm just choosing a thought that feels more comfortable to me. And this helps me realize I am choosing to think the thoughts that make me feel better. So non-judgmental awareness and dismissal of those ants. Non-judgmental awareness and dismissal of the ants. Those three steps are going to help you get rid of your ant problem. The uh, last thing that I will discuss in today's episode is to create uh, feelings that will bring more joy into our life on a regular basis. So this is kind of like the, I don't know, exterminator or ant spray or ant traps. I feel a little gruesome saying that, but whatever you would do uh, to prevent a, a an ant problem from recurring in your house in the future, this is what we're about to do is create some feelings that create some more joy to prevent ant problems in the future. This also applies if we just kind of feel uncomfortable or negative, even if there's no rainstorm. Like sometimes we just feel the blahs even without the situation. That feeling is there even if there's no situation or thought to create it. And both of those scenarios um, would be helped by creating some more joy, creating some positive feelings in our lives. I always remind myself, I choose to infuse joy today. I choose to infuse joy today. Whatever it takes, even if it's silly, even if it feels phony, I am choosing to create more joy in my life. And so this looks different for any everyone. Sometimes I will blast a positive playlist and dance for a full song. Yes, I totally do this. I did it yesterday in my garage. Um, during the middle of my workout, I was kind of like, blah, just not really feeling it. And I decided to pause the workout, put on a positive song that made me dance, and literally just dance for a song. It was awesome. I laughed at myself. I felt better. I was infusing joy, choosing to infuse joy. Sometimes I'll snuggle my puppies, or if you listen to episode five of the podcast, I'll go for an awe walk. This is a great way to infuse joy. I'll read, which I love. I'll do anything I can that makes me smile. And your version of this might be totally different, but whatever you choose, um, I recommend actually having a list a physical list. It could be on your phone or on paper, but it's not a mental list because when we're in that funk, it seems very difficult to think of things that would get us out. But if I know when I'm in that funk, all I have to do is open that note on my phone or all I have to do is look at the post-it note that's on my desk and choose one of those things, then I can do it more often. So make a list of three to four things you could do, you could turn to when you're feeling the unexplained blahs and use those to choose to infuse joy into your life. So I hope this helps out. I um, know that ants can be a pervasive and long-term problem, but if you're choosing to infuse joy and then you're using non-judgmental awareness and dismissal, I believe you can get rid of your ant problem. Now, before we move on to the listener Q&A, I want to talk to you about a program that's coming up. Signups are available now, and this is a reprise of my popular 10-day emotional eating challenge called Fueling or Feeling. I read, I ran this in August of 2020, and we had 
70 amazing people who participated. They loved the challenge, so I wanted to bring it back for you. And this is a non-judgmental, to use that word, opportunity to explore and become more aware of your emotional eating tendency. Because let's be honest, sometimes the rainstorms in life, they lead us headfirst into a gallon of ice cream or a bag of Cheetos. And I'm not recommending that necessarily or at all, but it doesn't mean you're broken. It just means you're human. I want you to I want to help you use some of the tips we talked about today on a consistent basis to be more aware of your thoughts, more aware of your feelings, behaviors and help you break the emotional eating cycle. So this 10-day challenge fueling your feelings starts February 16th and signups are open today. I will put a link in the show notes. It's $29. You'll be a part of a very supportive dy- dynamic group, tons of resources, daily challenges, thousands of dollars of prizes, three group coaching calls, so much more. If you're looking to make progress on your emotional eating, I hope you will join us for Fueling or Feeling, and I hope you will uh, sign up today. Link will be in the show notes. Last up for today is listener Q&A. We have two great ones, as always. First one comes from Megan. She says, Is there a particular food I can add to my diet or a supplement I can take to support my skin's hydration? I've tried all the creams and lotions and I still have very dry skin. A couple tips for you, Megan. My first tip is to be sure you're hydrated. If you already think you're drinking enough, you might want to try some electrolytes and I will post a link to the Ultima Replenisher electrolytes that I like that can help you soak up the water uh, and not just go straight through you. I always recommend collagen for all things skin. It can help keep the structure of your skin cells solid so they can absorb the hydration. And I will post a link in the show notes to a brand comparison that I did of all different brands of collagen and why you would have collagen in the first place. Um, Other thing would be healthy fats like avocado, salmon, chia seeds, nuts, oils, olives, all of that kind of stuff is great for skin hydration too as well as cooling foods like high water content foods like cucumber, watermelon, pineapple, things like that. And then sometimes even a topical oil, uh, like putting coconut oil or olive oil on your skin for a while can help. I know it sounds a little wonky, uh, but these natural plant-based foods like coconut oil and olive oil can really help. Sounds like you've tried all the topical things, so maybe go with the electrolytes, collagen, healthy fats, and high water content foods. Last question is from Julie. She says, if I had to choose between the Instant Pot and Crock-Pot, which one? Whew, good question. And Julie, a long time ago, maybe like four years ago, I put out a YouTube video on this exact question, and I chose the Crock-Pot. And the reason was that I was still a little scared of my Instant Pot, And I thought that it took longer of hands-on time. Because with the Instant Pot, for those of you who don't know, you have to let it build up pressure, which takes like 30 minutes depending on what you have in there. And then it cooks for 20 minutes or whatever. And then the pressure releases for like another 10 minutes. So it's kind of a lot of time that you're close to the Instant Pot. I now don't feel like I have to be hovering over it. I trust my Instant Pot. I've used it hundreds of times. It hasn't exploded. I feel good. 
Um, and because I do most of my meal prep all at once, all within a few hours, I now prefer the Instant Pot. So my vote is for Instant Pot. But really, it depends on your mode of cooking. If you're the type of person who just wants to set it and forget it, like, okay, you're going to throw things in in the morning, you want to go to work all day or go to wherever you're going or do whatever you're doing um, and then have it ready for you in the evening, then the crock pot's definitely for you. If you're food prepping, you kind of just want to like get it done within an hour or two, then I think the Instant Pot is for you. So wishy-washy answer, but I'll post a link to both, both the Crock-Pot and Instant Pot that I have in the show notes, and I hope that helps. Your call to action for today is simple. Think about an ant problem that you have and commit to being aware of it non-judgmentally for 24 hours. Just set a timer or set a goal for yourself for 24 hours don't set a timer. That might be a little long timer, but just commit to yourself for 24 hours. I will be aware of this ant problem. I will be aware of every negative thought I have about my body or every time I catastrophize or every time I'm feeling down in the dumps or whatever it is for you. Be aware of your ant problem for 24 hours. See how often you can notice it popping up and just non-judgmentally be aware. If you want to go to the next step, Try active dismissal, replacing that with a thought that feels more comfortable to you. I am very curious to hear what you what you learn from this experiment. Would always love to hear your experience by sending me a DM on Instagram at the Lion's Share or shooting me an email. Thanks again for listening to another episode. I can't wait to be in your earbuds next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the Lion Share website.